I'm Al Filris, and this is Poem Talk at the Writer's House, where I have the pleasure of convening three friends in the world of contemporary poetry and poetics to collaborate on a close but not too close reading of a poem or several poems. We'll talk, maybe even disagree a bit, and perhaps open up the verse to a few new possibilities, and we hope gain for a poem or poems that interest us, some new readers and listeners. And I say listeners because Poem Talk poems are available in recordings made by the poets themselves as part of our Pen Sound archive, writing.upenn.edu slash pensound. Today I'm joined here in Philadelphia at the Kelly Writers House in our Wexler studio by Kevin Platt, professor of Russian and East European studies here at Penn whose books include History in a Grotesque Key, Russian Literature and the Idea of Revolution, and an edition of essays titled Global Russian Cultures, among others, among other books, and who has translated a number of books of Russian poetry and who is the curator and organizer of the great ongoing series, Your Language, My Ear, Russian-English Poetry Translation Symposia that often happen right here at the Kelly Writers' House. And by Ujwala Maharjan, a spoken word poet and art educator from Kathmandu, Nepal, co-founder of Word Warriors, a poetry group leading the Nepali spoken word movement, program coordinator for Right to Speak, uh, W-R-I-T-E with R-I-G-H-T implied, Right to Speak, a project that introduces poetry to youth from diverse communities focusing on marginalized groups who was a 2017-18 UNESCO Fellow here at the University of Pennsylvania's Graduate School of Education and whose poem performances can be found easily and amply in dozens of remarkable YouTube videos. And by Nasser Hussein, who teaches at Leeds Beckett University in England, whose critical work includes Bodies of Information, Cross-Border Poetics in the 21st Century, and whose creative and conceptual writing includes Playing with Playing with Fire, an experiment in autobiography, The Life of Form, a project in which he composes autobiographical poems about poets who write poems in forms such as the Sestina, the Pantum, etc., in the form that they created. Good luck doing that. And the recent book Skywritings, Sky poems written using words made only of three-letter airport codes. Nas, it's Hi. great to have you here. Oh, it's great to be here. This is your first time at the writer's house. It really is, yeah. First impression? I, it's, it's a utopia for, for poetry. I love it here. Can I stay? Yes, <laughs> you can. That is exactly the right answer, by the way. And Anyway, we're really glad that you're here. Uh, from Leeds by way of Canada, which is home-ish, home and That's correct. London and... Yeah, it's uh, it's Ontario. the UK for now, but um, yeah. but my spiritual home is always Canada. Yeah. Fantastic, Ujwala, so nice to have you here. I'm so glad to be here. It's good to see you, lots and lots, and you're going to be in the U.S. for another six year months, or so, so, yeah, a year or so. Fantastic. And Kevin, hello, hello, Colin, Al. pal. Hello, how are you? What did you think when I invited you for this poem talk? You thought me? Am I supposed to do this? Yeah, I thought, I was just, am I really a specialist in this kind of thing? No. I thought, great, I've always wanted to do a po- poem talk. That's what I thought. Fantastic. Well, I'm glad you came down the lane, Locust Walk. We're here together, the four of us, to talk about three poems in the aforementioned new book by Nasser Hussein called Sky Writings. 
Uh, yes, Nasser Hussein himself, the guy who's in the room. He's right here in the studio with us. The three poems that we'll discuss are Eat for Mike Lee, Storis or Stories, and Islamophobia, Islamophobia. The book was published by Coach House Books in Toronto in 2018, not very long before we're having this discussion. And we don't have prior recordings of Nasser performing these poems, but actually we will, by the end of the day we're recording, we will have a whole new set of poems which we'll use to create a Nasser Hussein pen sound page. And this, this conversation will go there as well as the recordings of the poems he's about to make. So here now, reading the three poems we're going to discuss, is Nasser Hussein reading from Sky Writings. Eat for Mike Lee. Oh, can a duh. Eat Timbit, Kit Kat, Pooten, Tic Tac, Tex Mex Pez, Barbecue Bib, Pat Gut, Gas, Nut Mix, Teacup, Raw Pea, Dry Bun, Pig Ear, Hot Pan, and Coke Ovan. Sips up, bonbon, rum sot, nom nom, mmm, mmm. Stories. The asp bit Cleopatra. Abe may axe Isaac's arm, but jaw let Abe off. Anu can fly, and Ock can fly. Eve cannot. Eve ate the apples and saw the lie. Dave got computers, but Hal cannot say yes. Islamophobia. USA, 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 Twitter haters, USA, make America great again. USA, 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 USA. Kevin, what are the first two things you thought about? I invited you to be part of this conversation, then you got a hold of the book. What are the first two things? I'm, I'm guessing what the first one was. What would be the first and second? The first one was, did he really do this? And what was it like? No, I didn't. No, I thought this is an awesome idea. That was my first thought. And then my first like content thoughts were Ridley Walker um, by Russell Hoban. Um, and form made difficult um, Shklovsky's formulation. Say more about form made difficult. Well, it's the um, one of the founding ideas of Russian formalist literary theory, um, and you know, kicking off against nineteenth century theories of poetry and art, which had been oriented towards poetry and art in general as a more compact and economical form of expression. The formalists, in a kind of contrarian way, said, "No, in fact." What art is about is making perception of form difficult and impeded so that you actually pay attention to form. Um, and that was my, you know, my first reaction here was this is a, a way of making language pop by forcing you to feel 
the you know the formal envelope in various different senses um, anew, both in terms of the um, you know the graphemes that are used here, and you know trying to sort through them. They look different on the page, and we have to sort of make sense of them. But also when you try and sort of pronounce these out, the you know necessary constraints of the three-letter code have forced various phonetic alterations, so that you're sounding out the words, and you're getting different versions of words that are slightly distorted um, in terms of pronunciation. So it was those two things, and then sort of digging into the book in those ways that was my entry into it. Thank you. Uh, let's pick up from what Kevin just said, particularly about form made difficult. Uh, Ujwala, let's look at stories. Um, in what way did this constraint make us pay more attention as readers to the idea of stories or to the particular stories that Nasser is telling us and or since Nas is in the room, what did you imagine the writer was doing to pay closer attention? Either one of those or both. Right. Um, you can, I mean, the very obvious thing that is very concise, the one particular line that really got me thinking and how uh, maybe this form was necessary, not necessary, or this form really contributed to bring out was Eve ate apples and saw the lie. And I was like, wait, huh, saw the lie. When you see the lie, you're also seeing the truth. But instead of saying see the truth, you see, you're saying see the lie. And um, the three letters, L-I-E, uh, I feel like that made this possible. And uh, it just gave us a look into things that we would not have necessarily seen. Nas, when you wrote this one, you, I mean, you just can't tell any story with three-letter airport code-derived words. You have to tell certain things. How'd the constraint work in your head? Uh, I don't think the constraint worked in my head. I think the, the constraint worked perhaps on my head. It gave me what was possible to say, if that makes sense. Um, you had so, a number of things that were possible, and then you chose from among the things that are possible, rather than from... Absolutely everything, every story. Yeah, it frames what is possible to say. Um, and within that, yeah, I was probably making some choices, but much of it was pattern recognition and looking at this kind of body of language. I would, <clears throat> My compositional process was to print off all of them. I had these 20 pages of airport codes and just spread them out on my desk and just sort of look over this landscape of language, which so, I suppose is a great phrase considering the geographic mm -hmm. and lexical thing that's going on here. So you didn't actually know where the specific codes linked into an actual geography as you were writing, or did you? Did you think about those aspects of the of the project? I had some vague ideas, of course, um, but uh, no, I can't, I can't hold So it. the geographical semanticism is more or less mm -hmm. accidental. Like the maps that go, we, sh we should say for our listening audience, for those who are going to be not looking at the book but maybe only hearing this, that would be a hard thing to do for this mm. poem talk. But that most of the poems have on the verso or one of the facing pages a map that creates a trip you would take to geographicalize. A trippy trip. A trippy, a trippy trip. trip. Geographicalize the poem. Sorry, Kevin, I interrupted you. You were going to say something. No, I was going to say trippy trip, but I was also, you know, I was thinking, 
in terms of the like the power of this poetry to deform um, our usual perceptions of language, the the graphic representation is really important. Um, yeah. and it's quite wonderful to read along as you're reading in a more or less normalized, you know, it's like you're reverting back to like normal pronunciation of these things, but it's, it's, you know, there's another way of reading these that would stress the actual graphic representations. Do you ever read like that? Islamophobia always presents me with the, the biggest challenge. One of the big challenges in the book, because the title, yeah, could read Islamophobia or it's Islamophobia. And the sentence, make America great again, could be read as mac yam eri kag ret ria tag ein, which, yeah, calls up maybe a separate linguistic kind of field. And and it's great. I, it was made aware to me that you were a specialist in Russian literature. And I was thinking, oh, I didn't even get into this sort of zom possibilities in 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 this form um until this moment yeah basically you know the, there are there are some sound poems in here but um yeah i was thinking about like the first zaum poem or the most famous early one is dear bullshil which is also like three letter words it would be so fun i um, should have really done maybe that's maybe you can do dear bullshil and it would be you have to like search for it that would be out there yeah. I, I can, I, and that's the thing I realized ultimately is it's not as restrictive as I thought it was. Yeah, you know, the Ujwala among the three poems we chose, each has a different tone, right? I mean, I've read the whole book several times. I've heard Nas perform various poems, uh, but I picked three that have different tones. I mean, "Eat" for Mike Lee is very funny and charming and clever. Uh, how do you make food out of this? Um, stories, it seems very um, sweet, sad, you know, very literary. And Islamophobia, I don't know what the tone, you know, possibly just anger. What do you make of that? How, that tone can come from this quasi-aleatory process. And... Um, it's really, in some ways, sorry for using the word traditional, but in some ways, these these operate as a traditional poem, expressing what Nasser Hussein is feeling. Does this make any sense to you? Um, to me, we're talking about the tone, though. Um, even though, uh, yes, there's Islamophobia, it seems like, oh, we're, are we talking about anger, stories, uh, are we talking about some sort of reminiscing? But to me, in each of these poems, um, that sense of play comes... Even in Islamophobia. Yes. But, uh, not in terms of like uh, something that is that you you know, uh, shrug off in jest. But what I'm saying is in that, in uh, the sense of play in terms of that this is possible to say in these mm. uh, three-letter, you know, three-letter codes. Um, that came out to me a lot. And because of that play, uh, I feel like creativity in its sense is play. Even when you're talking about really saddest, the saddest of stuff, um, if you're not... Um, if you don't enjoy that process of transmuting what you feel into these words or letters, that's not possible. And this is what it was for me here. So yeah. you, you just hit the sweet spot here, right? Because it, yeah. play, so this is conceptualist work, however we want to define it. And 
the deadly serious topic of Islamophobia is being addressed in this playful, in the largest sense of playful. You want the two of you spin off on play, uh, starting with you, Nas? For me, these are fun, even even at their darkest. Um, and, and part of the fun was the fun of discovery and finding out, oh, I can write the entire sentence, make America great again, letter for letter, you know, or I can, or yeah, Islamophobia is a little technical triumph there. I was like, oh, that's a pretty long word to do in three letter codes. Um, and that process of looking them up and saying, can I, can I, yes, I can do it. That there was, there was this triumph and, and people talk triumph about Triumph over... Over almost over the constraint, or, or to, well, for every poem that you see in here, there are ten poems that didn't work. Things that I might have wanted to say that were impossible um, because the constraint simply wouldn't let me. Um, there are, and there are a few workarounds. For instance, I didn't get the word truth or true, so I had to tell Eve's experience without using that word um, or knowledge or something like that. But lie is a great substitute just because it's mm -hmm. also like the, you know, and Eve lay with Adam, and I get that one out of that line as well. Yeah. Um, it's the origin of fiction. And this is, and this <laughs> the, is where... The story of Adam and Eve yeah. is the first novel or something like that. Kevin, on play, what are your thoughts? Oh, on play, you know, it, I'm, I guess maybe because I'm on a formalist kick today, um, I was also reading a dissertation chapter about formalism too, but it, you know, brings me back once again to this, you know, idea of the function of art. The formalist conception of it is the, you know, defamiliarization of, you know, what you already know or habitually know. And play is the key um, instrument, you know, that you can use in any form of poetics to sort of pry things loose a little bit from where they usually uh, reside in order to be able to look at them and see them anew with new eyes and critically and, and, I think certainly that's the function of the USA um, Islamophobia um, poem for me, at least. It's also it's such a beautiful poem graphically, um, and it seems like some of these poems are more sort of concrete poem poems, and some of them are less. And this one, definitely, right? You get the chant, but you also get these like people. I don't know. It's like I almost see it like a graphic representation of a crowd in front of Trump. Oh, wow. um, it's like all these USA chanters. Um, I wanted it to look like the American flag. Oh, well, see. But that works, too. There's a lot we can do with it. That's wonderful. I think that's my favorite part about this book, is people are still showing me things that I don't, I don't know about it. There's just so many things, like, in that particular thing, when you say Twitter haters, it could be haters, but I was also, like, hatters, make America <laughs> great again. Hatters. Yeah, Twitter haters, you know? <laughs> uh, With the M MAGA hat and everything, I was like, there's so many possibilities, and that's uh, fun. We, when we saw each other last, we were in uh, Montreal, and you were visiting for the launch of the Coach House book season. And we went into a side room, and we did a five-minute video in which we talked about Islamophobia, among others. And we laughed because, and Derek Bayou was there, and we laughed and laughed and laughed. And afterwards, when I watched it, I felt bad, okay? So this is the, this is the, I didn't vote for Trump, but this is the America, <laughs> I take some responsibility, I'm a citizen. If the citizenship failed, I'm one of the, et cetera. You know, white liberal guy, not suffering typically from Islamophobia, um, I felt bad that we had yucked it up. When we, 
yucked it up is the wrong word. We were taking great delight in encountering each other. We were gleeful about the extraordinary feat of this experimental poetry. But talk me out of feeling bad. That's the worst way oh, to ask that question. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, don't talk me out of feeling bad. Explain to me why good. that's the wrong thing, to the wrong way to react, if indeed it is. Um, oh, no, I'm, I'm never going to prescribe what's right or what's wrong. But I think one of the most important things that this text is doing is, um, it's wrong to say it, but I'll say it anyway, to take things a bit less seriously. Um, because th that habit of mind is exactly like the habit of mind that the Russian formalists are kicking against in their poetry. So it's, it's the habit of mind that takes the airport code itself as an instrument of, or an instance of language that has only one use, right? So LAX just means Los Angeles, but you don't think Los Angeles, you think LAX, but you don't think lax. And this text operates like that. So, and there's where the fun and the power and the interest is. And the fact that haters can become hatters in the gap between those two codes, H-A-T and E-R-S, is that missing T that you supply. And there's where all the power is. It's, it's lodged in the reader and, and the kinds of interesting contortions that everyone brings to the challenges of the text itself. My next question for Juala does not follow generously from that. <laughs> that invitation to take pleasure from experimental poetry, even when it's about deadly serious topics. I get that. But, you know, you've, you've written a, a, a body of critical work, I assume a book, on um, cross-border poetics. It was and this an is essay in a collection. An essay. Yeah. It's a topic of interest to you. And this poem invites us to think about crossing borders, about the language of airport codes, which is an international thing, accepted. It's a, it's a, it's a signifying system. But not everybody can cross anywhere they want through the system. That, that deep geopolitical irony is in this book, a deadly serious one. So I'd like to turn to that. Ujwala, any thoughts on reading these poems and seeing the maps and thinking, wait, we can't go to all, not all of us can go to all these airports? I actually hadn't thought of that, and especially for someone who comes from a country like Nepal, where that is a very real thing. We, it's so hard to get in visas. I hadn't thought of that. But yeah, now that you mention it. I mean, if, if, if it were your job, if you got a grant to fly these poems. Mm-hmm. To do to to do the trip. Oh, that's my job. Did you get credit for that? Or you I really hope so. <laughs> okay, if anybody's listening, you pen. <laughs> who wants to give him a grant? But you know, some people, maybe even Nas, whose citizenship is UK and Canada, it's possible that he will be delayed somewhere because of his surname or whatever his religion. Mm. The only point where and I did you too, think possibly. of that. Yeah, the the point that I did think of that, and it, that that poem does not have a lot of trajectory when you look at the map. When you say air travel and migration, it is so spelled out. It is so spelled out, and um, there was it was it reminded me of a um, 
exhibition that um, Albustan had put together where each letter A was for something that was related to migration and they have a big, they had big banners on it and this transported me to that all the stories so that's it. this is the poem that got me thinking about that but I didn't think of that exciting job that you might have um, for all the poems <laughs> but this, that's a brilliant observation it kind of turns the whole thing into like the constraint of the writing process into an allegory for the constraint of the mm-hmm. of the system of privilege embodied in, in yeah. yeah these travel institutions that we have and which are certainly not accessible to everyone Kevin in stories Anu can fly and Auk can fly Eve cannot now I know you so you've just invited us to think geopolitically about which people can fly and which can't and fly I mean it's another way of saying in the context of this book Anu can do this poetry thing so can Auk but Eve cannot because flying is writing in this book skywriting Kevin your thought on that it works doesn't it it works awesomely um But there, I mean, it's such a wonderful poem in the way that it generates all kinds of questions out of the the multiple branchings that are in the interpretation of each of the words. There's Eve cannot fly, and we're thinking about angels, I guess. Um, I also was wondering in the writing of these, I mean, it, it seems like this one, you have all these sort of mytho-cosmico stories here that you sort of lined up together. Including the last one, which seems to be space uh, 2001, 2001 Space, space Odyssey, Odyssey, right? Um, that one in particular, right? One of my teachers told me that each poem grows from a single word. So is it Hal in this one? It's, <laughs> right? It's like you saw Hal and then it was like 2001 came out of that? Yeah. Uh, it was It was definitely, weirdly, even though it's a computer-based reference, um It, it came out pretty organically. Um, I, I actually can't speak to where it came from. It just sort of landed on the page. Again, that's me looking at this field of language, you know, laid out on my desk. And I'm like, oh, 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 that works. There's another reference there. And I think the possibility that the maps hold out for global travel um, is fictional in that you can't probably fly directly from BUT to HAL. Probably Maybe you can't can. fly directly from a lot of these. Places. Yeah, exactly. So, so there's a fiction built in in the maps, or maybe better, a fantasy of, you know, travel and movement. But I'd like that to be a po- a fantasy that's possible to have. Um, I think it, it holds out an interesting horizon. So, yeah, we could think about it, the restriction, but but the picture is freedom. If that makes sense. There's a, there's a long version of the Dave got computers, but how cannot say yes story that we're not going to tell because we don't have time and because that's not what this poem is. There's a very short one, which is this. There's a middle length one. What's the middle length story? Dave got computers. I love how simple that is. But how cannot say yes. All I can say is that I think of this kind of experimental poetics as closely related to machine made poetics, even though it is by no means that because you're sitting there with a field of options. Kind of like Christian Buck writing Enoya, which was the opposite of a computer-generated poem, even though it's very technically specific. Now he's trying to get bacteria to do it, though. 
he's heading toward. Yeah, but let's leave that project aside. <laughs> my That's point is, you know, tags. Yeah, but my point is that, um, you know, this is not a digital poetics by any means. It's sort of the opposite. It's sort of like using airport codes to get back the humanness of making a poem and of taking pleasure from poetry. So it's Dave who gets something and Hal, the computer, who can't say yes. Oh, that's really nice. Did I do it? That's really nice. Yeah. Hey, we cannot we cannot end our poem talk without talking about the Mike Lee poem because Mike himself will be sad. Who, who which Mike Lee are we talking about? The uh, filmmaker? Dr. Mike Lee uh, is friend my of yours. good friend, colleague, um sits next to me in Leeds. We're both expat Canadians. Um, Shout out to Mike. So, oh Canada eat Timbit. Oh, is, it's a nostalgia. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And Let's we, each and we say something together. about this this poem who wants to who wants to say something i just love the list i also love the kind of implied ha-ha limitation of canadian cuisine <laughs> is there that in there no sorry oh, yeah Did no I, no definitely definitely critical? it's that's no those are those are the four food groups timbits kit kats putin and tic tacs that's our <laughs> you know the four no, food I'm joking oh canada please forgive me that was just a joke <laughs> i love how coco van Worked out as an airport code. Yeah, again. Um, and we've all eaten, been served Coca Van on an f- international flight. Ugh. <laughs> gas. Well, gas and gas. Gas. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wait, did gas come from that? Uh, no, gas in the, oh, is there a gas <laughs> airport? There, uh, there is a gas airport that's, that, that comes under Pat Gut. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Um, but, you know, chicken or pasta shows up um, uh-huh. in the middle of the book. Mm-hmm. As does sorry for any inconvenience. So the language of airports um, of flight itself is larded into this text. No, this one, I had such fun reading this. It was almost like as much fun you had creating this with gas and hick and nom nom. (laughs) I had fun reading it. Well, we could talk a long time about this work, but I'd like to invite each of us to say one, one more thing that you came to the conversation wanting to say but didn't have a chance to yet. And Nas, you're in a special category here. It's not very often we have the poet in the room. So you must have five thoughts about your own work, but we'll limit you to one. Ujwala, you have a final thought for us? Oh, my God. It's so fast. Um, yeah, I'll, I had tons of thoughts. The, the one uh, thought that I had. You can do two if you want. Okay. I'll definitely start with this one, though. The one on the back cover, um, it says, watch as words take flight and leave their baggage behind. I loved it so much. It was like exactly what these are doing. It's um, So maybe this is because I was... Um, I've been teaching um, a community that has limited vocabulary in English, let's say, right? And then um, here it is... Um, uh, they write others as in OT and HERs in different forms. And I was like, huh, this, this feels to me like my students, you know. Uh-huh. But what's happening here is they're leaving behind um, the baggage that comes with spelling, with being able to say it right or having to sound poetic or all that. And But they are carrying the essentials, right? And that to convey meaning and also as... Um, the poet who's doing the work. I feel like you too, or I've, you are here. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. So uh, it feels like um, that the baggage of creating something extraordinary was left behind and you went with the essentials of having fun, a pocket full of um, excitement about like discovering something. And voila, 
something really awesome happened. So, yeah, I think I'll leave it at that, actually. Fantastic. Thank you. Kevin, final thought? Oh, I just um, still sort of hung between these two ideas about it, um, the sort of post-apocalyptic one that you touched on, you know, what happens when we get to machine language and we're all just going to have to talk in code all the time. Um, and that's where I started. I said Ridley Walker at the beginning, which was my um, – has anyone read this oh, yeah. book? Which Have you read it, mm-hmm. Al? No, well, I haven't. It's, so it's written in a post-apocalyptic language by Russell Hoban. It's a dystopian novel, but it's written in a, in a post-apocalyptic English, which similarly to Nas's language forces you to really work to understand – what the words are on the page um, because yeah. it's about post-apocalyptic spelling mostly but it, it's so like in, in that book if if I remember correctly Prime Minister is spelled Prime Mincer and by the end of the book you realize that's what they're yeah that's what they're talking about it's a wonderful book everyone should go read it now Russell Hoban definitely um Wow, it's better it's known as, as the getting, author of um, children's two, literature. Two, two gathering paradise <laughs> recommendations. You're going to get another one in a in a minute, but but yeah. I started to say hung between that one and also the, like the. I don't know if it's just me or is it everyone. There was this sort of heroic time of the glamour and freedom of air travel, and for me, it somehow is emotionally bound up with these codes, and. The book really does actually return you to that. Air travel has become so arduous and awful with all of those pokings and proddings and pat-downs um, and just waiting and waiting and waiting and papers and documents and biometric passports. And so this is like – it takes me back to Pan Am days. Um, and there's – I don't know. It's just wonderful somehow. You put the fun back in air flight, I guess. But that's your turn. Final thought on your own stuff? Well, um, my 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 the overwhelming thought right now is gratitude. Thank you all so much for your attention and your reading and your thought. Um, I'm I'm inspired um, by the sense of yeah, putting the fun back into it. And and if if you know one of the things that people tend to do with this text is they'll write back to me in airport codes. And and I hope that my readers and people who hear about this text, even without reading it may go to their airports, look at those departure boards, look at their luggage tags, and participate in that game of unmooring it from its instrumental function and into language. I think that's that's kind of the goal of the text in general. Well, if you run into Nasser Hussein somewhere on the street of Leeds or, or wherever, in an airport. he will inscribe your copy. Mine says, thanks, love, Nas. Uh, two final thoughts for me. One is that there are some versos where that are basically blank except for the following. Slight delays. There's slight delays. Um, and the other final thought is just to refer to a poem called For Walter Whitman. And would you read that? It's on page 68, Nas. For Walter Whitman. Me, me, me. Me, 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 me. Barbaric yop. Me, 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 me. I love that. <laughs> Snaps from Nas and Walt. Well, we like to end Poem Talk with a minute or two of Gathering Paradise, a chance for us to spread wide our narrow hands, 
to gather a little something really poetically good to hail or commend someone or something going on in the poetry world or the art world or your intellectual world who wants to go first. Ujwala, do you have a recommendation? Yes. Um, Andrea Gibson, they're one of my favorite poets. Um, they're touring. Um, they're touring the U.S. and Canada. Their, their fifth book is out. Um, it's called The Lord of the Butterflies. And I just bought my ticket for April um, in Philadelphia. Uh, they're going to be here in Philadelphia. And so I'm so excited. Um, everybody should look up Andrea Gibson. Fantastic recommendation. Great. Nas, you have a recommendation? Um, yeah. Everyone keep your eyes out for the Ledbury Emerging Critics Program. It's based in the UK. Um, it's led by... Dr. Sandeep Parmar and Dr. Sarah Howe. It's an initiative to bring uh, critics of color into the mainstream press. Um, I'm one of them, but the best reviews in the UK right now are being written by, by my compatriots on that program. So keep your eyes open. Fantastic. Kevin, gather some paradise. Um, I just wanted to give a shout out for a new press in New York um, founded by a Penn alum, Anastasia Osipova, um, who has founded a little press called Cicada Press, which is publishing fantastic new translations of contemporary Russian poetry. Um, and in particular, re recently um, published Pavel Arseniev's first uh, or second book in English, actually, um, who is a wonderful contemporary conceptualist discourse poet from St. Petersburg, but watch out for Cicada Press. Fantastic. Uh, My Gathering Paradise, uh, I mentioned all three of these things at the top. Kevin Platt's Your Language, My Ear, Your Language, My Ear, put that into your favorite web browser and you will be happy about what you find. It's an ongoing project. Uh, Ujwala's, if you just, the, the thing you'll get when you search Ujwala, two J's, Maharjan, M-A-H-A-R-J-A-N. You're going to get a lot of YouTube hits. And so you're going to see her performing in Kathmandu with colleagues. It's fantastic. I highly recommend it. So, and Nasser Hussein. So the new project is Playing with Playing with Fire. Say very quickly what, how that's structured. Uh I share a name with a famous cricketer in England. Um, it's the first thing you'll get if you search for Nasser Hussain. Yeah. Um, his autobiography is called Playing With Fire. I am currently remixing that text into my autobiography. Um, so the text is called Playing With, Playing With Fire by Nasser Hussain, by Nasser Hussain. Um, it's a chapbook version of it is coming out in the UK uh, with If a Leaf Falls Press. Um, that's run by Sam Riviere. He's a wonderful poet and editor. And one of the sections simply finds every instance of the word cricket in this guy's memoir and just reproduces it. So it's a lot of crickets. Yeah, which is the, a, an image of the field of crickets outside my bedroom when I was a kid. <laughs> Well, that's all the how not saying yes we have time for on Poem Talk today. Poem Talk at the Writer's House is a collaboration of the Center for Programs in Contemporary Writing and the Kelly Writer's House of the University of Pennsylvania and the Poetry Foundation, poetryfoundation.org. Thanks so much to my guests, Kevin Platt, Ujwala Maharajan, and Nasser Hussein, and to Poem Talk's directors and engineers today, Zach Cardner and Leah Baxter, and to Poem Talk's editor, the self-same amazing talented Zach Cardner, and a shout-out to Nathan and Elizabeth Light for their very generous ongoing support of Poem Talk. This is Al Phil Reese and 
I hope you'll join us next month for another episode of Home Talk.